Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Thank you, guys. How's everyone doing? You're looking good. Just turn to somebody beside you and say, you look good today. Single people, this might help you out. You're welcome. Well, it's good to be with you guys this morning. Are you staying warm? Yeah? How many of you like like the cold? Okay. All right. How many of you don't like it at all? It's right about down the middle. I'm Canadian, so I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You know, we have the fire going in our living room, and, you know, our girls are drinking hot cocoa. Our girls were born in Texas, but they know they're half Canadian. And uh, yesterday, Anna was making Christmas cookies with them, and uh, one of them was, you know, different shapes, different things, Christmas trees, whatnot, and one of them was a big moose. And Autumn goes, I I, I walked in the door, and uh, my daughter, Autumn, said, Dad, we made a big moose for you. You can have this one because you're Canadian, you know? So, so anyway, I love, I love the cold weather. Um, it's just uh, an honor to be with you guys. Um, thank you so much, Natalie. Love Natalie and John, obviously Joel and Lauren. Joel is preaching in um, New Mexico, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and skiing. I'm just a little bit jealous. He, he uh, sent me, a, he texted me a picture yesterday, I was at the gym, of him like on the slopes, like with his snow gear and his helmet, and, and I'm like, whatever, man, like, whatever, I'll just stay here in cold San Antonio with no snow, you know, um, but uh, they send their love, Eli's not feeling well, so Lauren's back home, and uh, um, Charlie, my daughter, um, one of my other daughters, is homesick as well, so you can pray for them. I think really my wife just heard that I'm preaching, so... Not really. Well, um, I want to share a, a message that's on my heart. And uh, just before we do, just to let you know a little bit about my wife and I. My wife, Anna, and I um, met at Bethel School of Supernatural Marriage. I mean, ministry in, in Redding, California. I'm from Canada. She's from Dallas. We met at Bethel Church in Redding. Um, lived there for about six, seven years. Both did three-year school of ministry. And uh, we met, got married, traveled for about two years um, full-time the first two years of our marriage, speaking in different churches, representing um, Bethel Church. And, uh, and then in 2015, um, we moved to San Antonio to be on staff at a church. And right about this time last year, not quite a year ago, we transitioned out of doing that. And uh, we're really kind of still in transition. And um, still kind of in transition and uh, really getting a sense for what the Lord's doing in us and through us. We're, we're back to traveling and speaking in churches a little bit. And we have the joy and honor of attending Sozo and being part of this house. And as of like yesterday, what's today? Sunday. As of yesterday, our house is under contract in San Antonio. So we're selling our house. If all goes well, um, pray that it does. And uh, moving probably to New Braunfels. So we'll be a little bit closer. But if you have your Bibles, go with me to John 4. John chapter 4. Natalie um, just quoted my text and um, preached my sermon. So... I love when that happens because it's like the father's going, you're on track, you know? Um, But John 4, starting in verse 1, 
I'm going to read uh, a lengthy um, portion of Scripture. Um, So I'm going to help you get your Bible reading in today. Um, But I really believe this is a word for us, not just as a house, but I believe for the church right now. And uh, something that's on my heart, something that God's been doing deep in me. Because listen, I never want to just pray and ask God to give me a message. I like to preach from what God's doing in me. Because it's one thing to have a message, it's another thing to become a message and for your life to preach what it is that God's doing in you. I love what Bill Johnson, my pastor in California, says. He said, I never preach to get a message. I just, I get alone with God. I get into the word of God and I ask God to change me. I ask him to do a work in me. And it's from that place that I like to break off a piece of what he's doing in me and share with you. And so it's on that note that I'd like to go to John 4 and verse 1, and it says this, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. Verse 5, so he, Jesus, came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Verse 11, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Verse 13, Jesus said and answered to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of living water springing up into everlasting life. I love this. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have said, well, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one who you now have is not your husband at all. Verse 19, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. (laughs) It's like, what was your first clue, you know? Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? 
or why are you talking with her? Verse 28, the woman then left her water pot. This is what Natalie was talking about. Went her way into the city and said to the men, come, see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Now go with me real quick to Acts chapter three. Acts three, verse one. I told you I had a lot of Bible. Acts three, verse one, this one's shorter. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms, to ask for money from those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John go into the temple, asked for alms. Verse four, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping, stood up, walked into the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they... Then they knew that it was him who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, I want to talk this morning about stopping for the one. Let's get just a little bit Pentecostal this morning, and I want you to find three people and say, stop for the one. Tell three people right now, out loud, stop for the one. You guys are good Pentecostals. (laughs) Um, Those who know me uh, know that I got saved when I was 16 years old, wasn't brought up in the church, grew up in Eastern Canada, grew up in a broken home. My dad left when I was like two, got saved by really just the kindness of the Father, the sovereign hand of God. I grew up with a conviction on my life that I just knew that I knew that I knew that God was real, and I had to figure out how to know him. So when I was 16, somebody introduced me to Jesus, a youth pastor at a vineyard church in Eastern Canada, and I I talked to him on the phone for for two hours, gave my life to Jesus, and shortly after, I knew I was called to ministry, and shortly after, I really just had this burden, if you will, or this uh, just compassion and just this knowing that I was called to preach the gospel, knowing that I was called to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people, not just from a pulpit, but with individuals in my high school, strangers on the street, people that I met in the grocery store. Those that know me know me that part of my gift mix, part of my calling is that of an evangelist. I kind of have a little bit of everything on me. I've I've stopped trying to figure out what I am. I'm, I'm just a guy that loves Jesus. I'm a son. But part of my gifting and my calling is that of an evangelist. And I just, I love to tell people about Jesus. I love to pray for people in the streets. I love to put God's love and power on display everywhere I go as a lifestyle. I have friends who are evangelists. I have friends who aren't just evangelists, but who are called to preach in stadiums. Like 
people that are called to preach in front of thousands of people or do crusades in Africa. Some of you might know who Ben Fitzgerald is. He's someone I I, um, did school of ministry with. Ben Fitzgerald founded Awakening. He's an Australian kid who founded Awakening Europe with a vision to pack out stadiums preaching the gospel across Europe under the banner, Europe shall be saved. And I remember um, having Ben over for dinner, um, my wife and I, and uh, he was, you know, um, maybe he was on staff, maybe he was still a student. He was, I remember him sitting at our kitchen table and us eating cheeseburgers and sweet potato fries and him saying, God, me, me and Todd White were in Germany and we were in the very field where, where Hitler did his first rally with young people um, to propagate his Nazi agenda and God gave us a vision to to fill that field with young people preaching Jesus Christ under the banner, Europe shall be saved. And he has gone on to do, to do stadium events across Europe. And there's, there's videos of just masses of people running to the pulpit to give their life to Jesus. Now, we're not talking about the Bible Belt where most of them heard the gospel before and now, you know, they're hyped up with emotion. No, we're talking about people who have maybe never heard the gospel before. They've only heard of Jesus having a raw encounter with the reality of the kingdom of God, running to the front to lay their life down before Jesus, happening across Europe. And I love that. I love the Billy Grahams and the Reinhard Bonkies and the Daniel Kalendas of our day. But did you know that statistically, that the majority of people, not just in America, but throughout the world, ministry of Jesus when he walked the earth, and the ministry of the early apostles that we read about in the book of Acts, is that although they were called to preach to the masses, preach to the multitudes, see thousands get saved, they were never so busy and distracted and caught up in their own life or even ministry that they wouldn't stop for the one, the one person that the Father highlights to them, the one individual that God kind of points out in a crowd and says, I just want you to go tell them that I love them. The one person that is just, like Natalie said, needs to know that Jesus is the one. That in the midst of their brokenness, pain, confusion, whatever it is, there's a God who sees them, loves them, and wants to introduce them to a really good father and wants to see their whole life turned upside down by the goodness of God. So I want to talk for a few minutes about stopping for the one and... uh, I want to talk about stopping for the one and because here's the reality. We never know what the ramifications are going to be, what the chain reaction is going to be, what's going to happen through that one because you were willing to stop for the one. Think about the man, think about the woman at the well. Here's a woman who is just jacked up, in pain, broken. One encounter with Jesus, and she's instantly an evangelist. (laughs) She like, she goes into the city, doesn't, how many of you know that an encounter with the love of God sets you free from the fear of man? Listen, she has a reputation and it's not good. She's known as the woman who has had five husbands and the one who's now her husband, you know, is not really her husband. Like she, she, the city knows this. One encounter with the love of God. She's set free from the fear of man. She goes into the city boldly proclaiming, come see the man who told me everything I've ever done. And, and then if you read on, it says the entire city came out 
to hear Jesus because of the testimony of the woman who said, come see the man who told me everything I've ever done. Listen, you never know what the right, you never know when you stop and pray for a stranger in the grocery store when they're going to become the next Billy Graham. We're just called to stop for the one. Think about the ramifications of the man at the gate beautiful. Peter and John, and I love this because Peter and John weren't like, okay, Peter, John, um, I know we've just, we've just had breakfast, we've just had lunch, now let's go on an outreach. No, they're just going about their day. Look, I love outreaches, but how many of you know the purpose of an outreach is to activate you to live it as a lifestyle? Being willing to stop for the one on your day-to-day schedule, your day-to-day routine. They are, listen, they probably every day went to the temple at the hour of prayer. And daily routine, they're on their way to the temple, hour of prayer. That beggar, they've probably seen him a hundred other times. He's begging for alms. Peter feels something stir in him. I believe he felt compassion. And on this particular day, he felt like the Holy Spirit said, today's the day. Peter, I want you to command him to get up and walk. Peter said, look at me. How many of you know there's power in your eyes? There is an anointing on your face when you believe who you are. He said, look at me. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Takes him by the hand. He stands up. His ankles immediately are strengthened. Listen, he was crippled since birth or a youth miraculously, his ankle strengthened. It says, and he stood up and went into the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Everybody say, walking, Walking. leaping, and praising God. I'd like to propose to you that he was walking because he was physically healed. He was, he was leaping for joy because he was emotionally healed. And he was praising God because he was spiritually healed. How many people does God want to highlight throughout your day into an encounter with God, that you can lead them into an encounter of God so that they become whole body, soul, and spirit? And, and I believe in the same way God wants to lead us to individuals and lead them into an encounter that they would be set free body, soul, and spirit. But what's the ramification? The, the whole temple, everybody that was gathered, says that they were in awe and amazement at what God had done. Not only that, but Peter and John got into a little trouble because of this miracle. They were brought in, be, uh, in before an audience of the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders. They said, by what power did you guys do this miracle? Peter, filled with boldness, said, it's by the power in the name of Jesus Christ whom you crucified that this man stands before you healed. And he boldly preaches the gospel. And again, multitudes start to come to the Lord and come into an encounter with God. We never know what the ramifications and the chain reaction is gonna be when we are when we're not afraid to stop for the one. And I want to share quickly, I promise to be done by four o'clock, I want to share quickly three ways that the Father wants to empower us to stop for the one. Everybody say stop for the one. Number one is this. It's really, really simple, but so important. The Father wants to give us compassion. Everybody say compassion. Listen, all through the Gospels, this is how Jesus ministered, Matthew 9, verse 36. But when he, Jesus, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Matthew 14, 14, and when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. 1 Corinthians 13, 2, Paul said this, Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. 
Galatians chapter five, verse six, Paul said, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Listen, how many of you know faith pleases God? Hebrews 11 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's important. Faith moves the heart of God. But Paul said, you can have so much faith that you can say, mountain, be cast into the sea, and it will listen to your voice. But if you don't have love on the inside of you, if you don't have compassion for people, it doesn't even count. How many of you know that faith as a principle works? That's why you'll read about evangelists, especially back in the day, that moved in power, signs, wonders, miracles, extraordinary things. But, you know, behind the scenes, we're living like hell. It's because faith as a principle works. You can have faith without love. But Paul said what what really, really moves God, what really, really puts the fullness of his kingdom on display is faith that works through love. Love and compassion. And listen, a lot of you know who Heidi Baker is. I love Heidi Baker. I mean, Heidi Baker, missionary for years in Mozambique and throughout Africa, her and her husband, back in the 80s and 90s. We're talking PhD in systematic theology from Vanguard University. Educated, brilliant, but burnt out. Burnt out on religion, burnt out on trying to do things in her own strength rather than flowing from the heart of the Father and the love of God. One encounter with the love of God in Toronto in in the early 90s. She gets wrecked by the power of God, glued to the floor as she's baptized with love, power, authority. She goes back to Mozambique and she has now planted thousands of churches across Mozambique throughout, throughout other parts of Africa, now India, really all over the world. And do you know what her model is? For, for winning a whole village to Jesus. She goes into a, a village. She, she puts up a stage. They draw a crowd. She plays the Jesus film in Portuguese because that's what they speak in Mozambique. And then through a translator, she says the same Jesus that you just watched in this video is here even though you can't see him. And he's gonna do the same miracles. Bring me the deaf of your village. They bring the deaf to her. She prays for them. Their ears are open. The entire village gets saved. She appoints one of them a pastor, and they have a church. <laughs> but do you know what the key to her, her power and authority is? She is so filled with love. If there's a dying baby in a village, she will just hold that baby. She will love it back to life. She will embrace it. She will love it. She will pray for it. She will command it. And they have lost count of how many people they've seen raised from the dead because they chose to move in a faith that works through love. So I want to encourage you this morning, ask the Father to pour out a fresh infilling of his compassion and love for those that don't know him, those that are broken, those that are lost, because I'm telling you, when you have the compassion and the love of the Father in you, there is no limit to what you can do with the power of God. Everybody say, faith that works through love. The second thing that God wants to give you is courage. Everybody say courage. Courage. Now, I love this because in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, after after Peter and John, uh, you know, heal this guy, they're brought before the religious leaders. They're told not to preach Jesus anymore. They're They're like, we'll let you decide whether we're going to obey you rather than God. 
And then they go back, and it says they're doing a prayer meeting back with the church, and it says this in Acts 4.13. Now, when they saw, sorry, I'm not, I'm not quite there. Yeah, when they, when they said, you decide if we're gonna obey you rather than God. It said, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Listen, there's a boldness and courage that comes into you when you've been with Jesus. And I don't just mean being with Jesus in a religious way. I mean encountering his heart for you, encountering his love for you, being filled with the Holy Spirit. You get filled with what I like to call a spirit of I don't care. (laughs) It's from the book of Hezekiah. I was, at a youth, I was at a youth conference once when I was a youth pastor and the youth pastor was getting everybody stirred up. He's like, he's like, how many of you love the Bible? They're like, yeah. How many of you love the scripture? Yeah. How many of you love the book of Hezekiah? Yeah. He's like, liars. There is no book of Hezekiah. <laughs> kind of mean. But being with Jesus fills you with courage. Acts 4.31, it says, after they preached the gospel and were released, it says this in Acts, uh, yeah, it was, it was 4.13, now Acts 4.31. When they, when they had prayed, they get, gathered together. They're with the other believers. They're having a prayer meeting. Now listen to this. This is crazy. It says, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. God wants to give us compassion, but he also wants to give us boldness. He wants to give us that spirit of, I just don't really care what people think. Like, listen, in the third world countries right now, people are preaching the gospel and losing their life or going to prison for telling people about Jesus. In America, usually the worst thing that happens to us is people do this. You ready for this? No thanks. And like, that's like the worst thing that we encounter. You might occasionally get cussed at, you know? But we're, we're called to be filled with boldness. The other day I was just, I was listening to a message by, um, by a pastor that I like to listen to, and I'm driving down the freeway, and he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he's talking about how when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we receive a fresh boldness. We, we receive fresh courage. And, and I'm listening to this, and I'm like, and I'm just kind of praying. I'm like, God, I want more boldness. I want more courage. Like, I, I just want, I want to be even more bold, and I'm praying this. And as I'm driving down the freeway, I'm not kidding you, there's a billboard. I just love the way God talks to us. There's a, literally a billboard. And this is what it says. I don't know what it's advertising. I don't see any other word. It just says this, be bold. (laughs) Okay. God, I want to be bold. We're called to be bold. We're called to be courageous. And let me just say this. Having courage doesn't mean you don't feel scared. Like courage isn't the absence of fear. It's just not allowing fear to tell you what to do. It's what my friend calls crossing over the chicken line. <laughs> Let's just pretend you're in Starbucks. You're having your venti dirty chai latte with one shot of espresso. That's what I had this morning. And sitting there. And let's just pretend I feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Say, see that lady over there sitting by herself? I want you to go. I want you to Pretend I'm in Starbucks and God says, see that lady, I want you to go tell her I see her, I love her, and I'm working everything out for her. And my heart starts going. Because listen, I still get nervous. I still don't, you know, I mean, I'm an extrovert, but not, people usually don't just don't love walking up to a stranger and like 
Let me tell you about Jesus. You know what I mean? But, but courage isn't the absence of fear. It's just not allowing fear to stop you. It's just doing it anyway. Say, do it anyway. Do it anyway. So, so it's saying, okay, I feel fear, but I'm going to trust more in the, in the Holy Spirit in me and that God's going to back me up than I do how I'm feeling right now. Listen, the Holy Spirit's the comforter, but he's not afraid to make you uncomfortable. <laughs> That's why we need the comforter sometimes. So I just step over the line, the chicken line, and I just do it anyway. And, and, and I find so often, this happened the other day, this happened uh, last weekend, I'm at the gym. My wife and I are working out at the Y. The girls are in childcare. We, she goes and picks them up. We're leaving, and as we're leaving, I see, I literally see a lady sitting by herself. She has headphones in, and I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit just say, go talk to her. And, um, and so oftentimes, I don't even know what I'm gonna say. I just know he wants me to engage her, and I just trust him. He said, I want you to go encourage her, go talk to her, go do something. So I'm like, okay. So at this point, I'm walking with Ann and the girls, and I said, Autumn, and my girls are so used to me now because I kind of, I just do this. I said, Autumn, God just told me to go talk to that lady. Do you want to come with me? She's like, okay. So Ann and Charlie in London go up to the car. I take Autumn with me, and I said, excuse me. She said, yeah. I said, um, I said, I'm a pastor in the area, and I felt like the Lord gave me a word of encouragement for you. Is it okay if I share it? She goes, yeah. And, and I said, the Father just wants you to know that he sees you. And he wants you to know he really, really loves you. Her eyes fill with tears. I said, is there anything I can pray for you right now? She said, yeah, I, I have cancer. I was di- diagnosed with cancer. I said, well, I, I feel like this is a divine appointment. God, God just encouraged me to talk to you because he loves you. He sees you. And I'm going to pray that God takes away your cancer. I said, I believe he can do it. She said, I do too. And I shared some testimonies with her. I said, can I take your hand? She said, yeah. I took her hand. Autumn's right there. Autumn, Autumn's learned to pray with me. When I get Autumn to pray, she prays really short, powerful prayers. Autumn, do you want to pray for her? Sure. Hand shoots out. She goes, <laughs> And she goes, she goes, Jesus, I just pray that you'll heal her in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> she, you know, it's like, all right. One time, one time we were in Florida on vacation, and we were leaving, we were leaving um, this kind of food court. We walk past a security guard, and Anna goes, Daddy? I said, yeah. She said, God told me that we're supposed to pray for that security guard. And I said, okay, what, what do we need to pray for? God said that he has a sore arm. So I said, okay, Autumn, let's go. And so we go, and I ask him. And he, I don't know if it was a sore arm, but he had other pain in, her, in his body. And I said, can we pray for you? He said, sure. And Autumn, sure enough, be healed in Jesus' name. <laughs> She's like, I'm done. <laughs> but we pray for this lady at the gym, and... Uh, and I say, I believe God wants to heal you. I got her phone number. I gave her mine, and I began texting her. I said, I really want to hear a testimony. And I heard a, uh, another testimony of somebody being healed of cancer, so I texted it to her. But listen, some people are like, oh, if I pray for people in public, what if they don't get healed? I like to ask a different question. What if they do? Come on. What if they do? Yes. What if she goes back to the doctor? She's cancer-free. She tells her entire family that Jesus did a miracle. They all meet Jesus this Christmas, and their whole family goes on a new trajectory into the kingdom of God. Like, we never know what's going to happen, but it takes courage. It takes boldness. It takes a spirit of, I just don't care. Like, it's okay. And the third key that I want to share is this. God wants to fill you with power. Everybody say power. power. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus told the disciples... By the way, in Acts chapter 1, we read that Jesus rose from the dead, and it said that over a period of 40 days, he appeared to the disciples talking to them about the kingdom of God. 
How many of you think that'd be a pretty good conference? 40-day conference, guest speaker, resurrected Jesus. Topic, kingdom of God. And by the way, you never know when he's going to show up because he just manifests, you know, occasionally. And, but it said, and on one of those occasions, it says Jesus said this, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise the Father is going to give you not many days from now, being the Holy Spirit. And he said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. That word power is the Greek word dunamis, where we get the English word dynamite. I was thinking about this the other day. What do we use dynamite for? To blow things up. We use dynamite to blow things up, to destroy things that are in the way, in construction, if you're blasting a road, people blow it up with dynamite. And Jesus said he receives or when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive dunamis, dynamite power. In another place, Jesus said that his mandate and his mission was to destroy the works of the devil. And Jesus said in Matthew, he who believes in me, the works I do, he will do, and even greater works, say greater works, because I go to the Father. Listen, if the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of you, there is a dynamite explosive power on the inside of you when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that when you step out in compassion and courage, I promise you, he will back you up with power. It's in his word. He will back you up. And sometimes it just takes a risk. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. I remember one of the first times I started moving in this. I was just like 19 years old, three years old in the Lord. And I'm working in the shopping mall. It was about this time of year, maybe early December, Christmas. And I'm working for this guy that has a kiosk in the mall selling hair product. We're selling hair product called Joyco. <laughs> and do you remember Joyco? <laughs> the guy that sold it was named Dan. We call him Dan Dan the Joyco man. He was like the the state representative or the, the provincial representative for us or whatever, re the region. And I'm working for him to make some extra money. I'm 19 years old. This group of teenage girls come up and they're asking us, you know, about the product and, and stuff like that. I think they're actually kind of flirting with me, but whatever. I mean, can you blame them? And, um, and I was like, but I had such compassion in my heart for those that didn't know him. So we started to engage them. We're like, what does Christmas mean to you? And what do you guys think about Jesus? And we're engaging. And then the security guard comes, kicks them out for loitering and they have to go outside. And, and when he did that, I just felt the compassion of the Lord fill me. And, and I went, I literally went into the bathroom. I asked the guy that I was working for if I could leave. I went, I sat in the stall and I wept. 19 years old, just compassion for people. I said, Father, we just give me another chance to tell them how much you love them, how real you are. So I go back out. Sure enough, they come back in security guard's still there. So I said, let's go for a walk outside. We walk outside. There's three girls. I'll never forget it. I'm 19 years old, no Bible school, no formal training, but I have the Holy Spirit. And I said, I said, listen, this might sound crazy to you, but a few minutes ago, I sat in the bathroom and cried because I know how real God is and I know how much he loves you. One of the girls gets freaked out. She's like, I'm out of here. She leaves. The other two are there and the Holy Spirit gripped their hearts. I said, I just know that he's real. I've encountered him tasted him. He's so good, and he's so real, and he loves you. I'm not kidding you. This, this one of the girls, I still remember her name's Lisa. The Holy Spirit just falls on her, and her hand just starts shaking like this, and she goes, what's happening to me right now? See, she didn't watch Benny Hinn on TV. <laughs> she didn't know how to fake it. 
She said, what's happening to me right now? I said, that's the Holy Spirit. I said, he's confirming that what I'm saying is true. He loves you. And then I began to prophesy over her. I said, Lisa, I see you sitting in the backyard as a little girl, swinging on your swing set, so carefree, feeling so safe, so loved. I said, since then, boys have told you that they loved you, but they turned their backs on you and they hurt you. The father wants you to know he'll never do that to you. She starts crying. I said, Heather, your name means flower. And I see you as a flower in the Lord's garden. He's been watching over you. He's been protecting you. He loves you. And uh, he, want, he wants to introduce you to his love today. Right then, they just, the Holy Spirit falls on them. I said, do you want to know the Jesus that I'm talking about right now? They said, yes. They prayed, gave their life to Jesus, prayed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and got completely born again. Christmas Eve, I get a phone call. Yeah, you can thank the Lord for that. On Christmas Eve, I got a phone call, and uh, this excited voice is on the, they said, hey, do you remember us? I said, no. They said, this is Lisa from the mall. I said, yeah. I said, how are you guys doing? They're like, we're doing amazing, but at, at school, we can't stop smiling, and our friends just keep asking, we can't stop smiling and laughing, and our friends just keep asking us what we're taking, and, and we're just telling them, we didn't take anything. It's just, we met this guy in the mall who told us about Jesus, and listen, I, I say that, and I can share story after story of just stepping out in faith and seeing God back up his word with power. I'm going to ask the, the, the musicians to start to come up, but I just want to say this. I want to remind you that when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and I want to encourage you because being baptized in the Holy Spirit is oftentimes a sub, like an additional experience to putting your faith in Jesus. It's not a matter of going to heaven or hell, but when the Holy Spirit fills you, because it says in, in Ephesians 5, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and the word filled there means be filled and keep being filled. Because how many of you know we leak sometimes? But so we need fresh encounters with the love of God. John G. Lake talked about fresh baptisms of the Holy Spirit. And when we are filled afresh on a regular basis through time with him or somebody laying their hands and praying for us or just saying, God, fill me afresh. He fills us with, with compassion. He fills us with courage and he fills us with power. And listen, when he fills you with his power, get a hold of this. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. Like What? That means everywhere we go, he goes. In 1 John, in, in, uh, in 1 John 4, it says, as he is, so are we in the world. That means, and it doesn't even say as he was when he walked the earth. It says as he is right now, glorified, right hand of God. And we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, says in Ephesians 2. As he, as he is, so are we in the world. So everywhere we go, he goes. And when we step out and take a, take a risk, he is ready to back us up with the presence of God, with the boldness of God, with the compassion of God, and with the, with the power of God. I just want to share one more story, and I'll close with this. One of the fastest growing churches in the world right now, if not the fastest growing church in the world, is, a church, is the church in Iran, primarily led by women. Severe persecution, Christians being killed, thrown in prison, but it's exploding underground, meeting in secret, meeting in private. And do you know what, do you know what their approach to the gospel is? They wake up in the morning, those that know Jesus, and they say, Lord, show me the one. Highlight the one that you have for me to minister to today. Now, keep in mind, if they miss it, <laughs> They could be killed. 
They could be thrown in prison. Whatever. But they said, Lord, show us. It's being led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. And this is what they do. And primarily women evangelists. And I recently heard a testimony that just blew my mind. And there was this lady. And she, she woke up in the morning. And as usual, said, Lord, show me the one that you have for me to minister to. So she's in a park and she sees a man sitting on a bench and she felt him highlighted and the Holy Spirit said, go talk to him. So she goes up to him and he looked really sad. And she said, excuse me, sir, why do you look so sad? And he began to open up to her. He was a drug dealer, um, full of oppression, depression, just struggling in life. And he began to tell his story and open up to her. How many of you know that sometimes stopping for the one is just being a listening ear and listening to people share what they're going through? So he shares his story, and then she said, is it okay if I come back, if we come back tomorrow in the same place, and I can share my story with you? He said, sure. So they get together. They're, they're, uh, they're sitting on the bench, and she begins to just unpack her story, share her testimony, how she met Jesus, how he changed her life, how she's filled with freedom, peace, joy, and how she wakes up and goes out into the community knowing she may be killed for her faith, but has counted the cost and said it's worth it because I've met the one and now I'm asking him to show me the one. So she begins to share her testimony and nothing even happened right there. She just shared her story. She planted that seed. You never know what's gonna happen later when you plant a seed. The story goes, this this. Man went back to his house. He's in his apartment thinking about what she said. When a white cloud literally filled the room and Jesus manifested himself, stepped out of the cloud, said, I am Jesus. He bows his knee to Jesus, gets born again, and today he is the evangelist waking up every morning saying, Father, show me the one that needs to encounter you today. Can we thank Jesus for that, for his goodness, his love, that he would walk into a room, manifest himself because of the faithful witness of a woman who stopped for the one. Yesterday, Joel, I mean, Joel knew what I was going to talk about but he, t- he sent me a voice memo and he said, I don't know if you're sharing this. I don't know if you're sharing this or not, but I keep hearing John 4, verse 35. He didn't know I was preaching from John 4. Natalie preaches my message. Joel gets my scripture. It's a prophetic church or something. But he said, I'm hearing Joel 4, verse 35. And it says this, Jesus said, do you not say there will be four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look for the harvest is already white and ready for harvest. It's talking about people. And Joel said that he saw the whole church with their head down and that this morning, everybody's heads were gonna lift, be lifted up to look for the one to look for the one person, maybe the two people, the, th- the three people throughout your week that the Father's asking you to stop for, 
to introduce into a love relationship with Jesus Christ. It might just be a seed. It might be praying for the sick. It might be giving somebody a word. It might be simply saying, has anybody ever told you what it means to be born again? I've tried this. It works. Has anybody ever told you what it means to be born again? No. Is it okay if I just tell you? What, I, was, I was walking off an airplane beside a guy. Has anyone ever told you what it means to be born again? No. Can I tell you? Sure. I tell him. Do you want to do that? Yeah. I want to be born again. <laughs> and he prayed with me right there on the, tur- on the turmac. See, sometimes we complicate this. But God is calling us to lift up our eyes and look at the harvest and ask him to show us the one. So this is what I want us to do. I want us to stand together. And this morning, I feel like it's a commissioning and an invitation for us to have a fresh infilling baptism, whatever you want to call it, of the Holy Spirit, that we would be filled with compassion, we'd be filled with courage, and we'd be filled with power. And I believe that even over the holidays, some of you are going to have fresh divine appointments, conversations, even with family members that don't know Jesus. But if that's you, you say, you know what? I want a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit to be filled with his compassion, with his courage and his power. I just want you to come down to the front. We're gonna have ministry team ready to pray for you. And we're just gonna pray that God would do that, that he would release a fresh infilling of his Holy Spirit to fill you with fresh compassion, courage, and power from the Holy Spirit. So if that's you, you say, you know what? I want that. And we're gonna quickly pray for everybody that wants that because I believe that there is a grace here for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit to receive that. If that's you, I just want you to make your way down to the front. The band's gonna keep playing. Just quickly, make your way down to the front. If you're like, I feel like I'm supposed to go down, but I'm not quite sure if I wanna go down, I just wanna encourage you, just do it. The worst thing that's gonna happen is you're gonna have a fresh touch from God and the Holy Spirit to be empowered to take him with you everywhere you go. So if that's you, I just want you to make your way down to the front and we're gonna pray for you. The rest of us, just put your hand on your heart. Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. If you're not coming down to the front, even if you're standing where you are, just put your hand on your heart. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you would release all over this room a fresh infilling and a fresh empowerment from your Holy Spirit all over the room, God. I pray that you would release compassion. I pray that you would release courage. I pray that you would release power. Some of you, I really believe that right now, some of you are going to be activated in spiritual gifts in a new way. You're going to be activated in the gift of word of knowledge. I declare that. You're going to walk through, walk past strangers and know things about them that you couldn't know. And you're just going to, you're going to approach them and that's going to be an icebreaker and you're going to introduce them into an encounter with God. So Father, I pray all over the room right now, fresh baptisms of your spirit, fresh baptisms of fire, fresh baptisms of, of compassion, God, of courage, boldness, and power all over the room right now in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name, 
in Jesus' mighty name. Now, what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna, for those that came forward, I'm just gonna begin moving um, uh, among you and just laying hands on you, if that's okay, and just praying for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, that God would touch you just where you are. If you still want prayer, come on down to the front and we're gonna pray for you.